When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. It sure is Mackie and Judd with Rami. I'm Rami Makloff, Judd Zolget, Phil Mackie, Jonathan Harrison. Other side of the glass, jam-packed show today, including writing things down and keeping track of the things we've already written down. That's coming up at 5 o'clock. Judd just gave a look like, oh yeah, we're writing things down today. Oh no, I'm all ready for it. <laughs> okay, you're all I'm ready. I'm all ready for Everything's it. Everything's been written. Everything's been written last down. Last night. Ready to go. Oh, good. Wow. Prepared well prep in advance. Was, prep was going last night. I'm just gonna, all of mine are just going to be like defense and reaction to your predictions. That's what, that's what mine are <laughs> going to be. To me or to Rami? Both of you guys. I'm just going to be a, just a ninja. When you got Judd predictions? By the way, point that behind you at the thing on t- the The box is behind oh, you. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, if you're watching us on Twitch right now, twitch.tv. I just want to watch college North. hockey. Can I go watch college hockey? Judd fighting with there. the cable box. Harvard and UMass. <laughs> we have old man yells at cloud and old man fights with cable box. Just All I want to do is watch college hockey regionals and it's very very difficult every time i walk into my parents house my dad is trying to figure out which remote controls what oh you know i can i completely empathize especially now now we're down to one which is great oh really but about 10 years back consolidated but about 10 years back when you had like four of them i was totally lost uh, we'll do two full hours actually on this today. We're just going to talk about just talk about lost or mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Six five one six four six six. So, uh, memory yeah. problems. So yesterday, uh, this 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 happened yesterday. <laughs> actually, I'm clicking play on something and there's a pod down and Jonathan ran out. But I'll I assure you, <laughs> Jose, <laughs> this show is off to a flying start. Jose Barrio struck out a lot of batters. Play by play yourself. <laughs> and uh, so I took to Twitter last night and I didn't realize I, I tweeted this before I went to bed and woke up in the morning and it was like. It was very polarizing. It had like 400 people saying, yes, I like this. And then it was probably half that saying, where's the level-headed reaction to one win out of 162? Did you get I, ratioed? No. Okay. No. Right. I think it was mostly positive. Okay. But I said, I know it's one game. This is a playoff team. The Twins are a playoff team. Oh, I did see your tweet. Yeah. And so, so, and Rami and I are... Pretty close but we on our take that on this. Coming into the season, this isn't this isn't an opening day overreaction. We thought they were you and I thought they were a playoff team coming in. Well, let me they, tell you where I affirmed those beliefs yesterday. Sure, but let yeah. me tell you where I've gone on this scale. I've gone from leading into the season, this team's going to be competitive. This team is going to compete for the division, and I think they can win the division. Has been my stance. Oh, I'm now not, you're ready I, to declare. I'm now saying they are a playoff team. 
And then it just depends on is it division or and, and I know it's one game, but look at some of the things that happened in that game as microcosms. And that's okay, like Judd's taking his reading glasses off to scold me. But let me let me say this and then you can crunch it up on that you, okay? bottom. He used lip. to be the one sixty two guy. Here's 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 why yesterday as a microcosm spoke volumes for me. Okay. Jose Barrios coming into his own as an ace against maybe the best pitcher in all of baseball, Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. All right. You had Taylor Rogers come in, and like people forgot to watch the Twins second half of the season, rightfully so. No, they didn't forget. They chose not sure. to. Yeah. Taylor Rogers was incredible second half of last season, and he's he jumps in and gets four outs as easy as you can possibly get four outs yesterday. Uh, and so, like all these questions about the bullpen, Taylor Rogers is not a question mark. Taylor Rogers is an inc- is an incredibly good reliever. That lineup took pro at bats against Corey Kluber. You had Marwin Gonzalez other way. You had Nelson Cruz working counts. Ripping a base up the middle. It's no longer just a bunch of young guys taking bad flailing at bats. This is a pro lineup that's going to grind out good pitchers. These are all recipes for playoffs, and they were all on display yesterday. All right, I tell get, me, I'm drinking too much Kool Aid. You're drinking booze. Uh, the thing I don't understand, you you guys, is, is the lineup. Yes, I agree. I think it's going to be filled with, if healthy, professional at bats, which is great. I think Barrios is awesome, fantastic, which is great. I think the bullpen might have one or two guys who is really good. But don't you need to see the totality of of this rotation before we go down this path? I need to see a few months of, because Brios is fantastic. I think Gibson is now a professional pitcher. I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to wow you, but I think he's going to, to be good. But with Jake, we don't know yet. With Pineda, he's coming back after a year off, and if it works, it works, and that's fantastic. But if it doesn't, that's a concern. The hope is that that the mistake that they made in um, in giving up on Annabelle Sanchez last spring when they did, and, and then he goes to the Braves and is fantastic, that um, that Perez will now come in and be that guy. And, oh, by the way, they kept him this time. But don't you guys need to see more from the pitching staff to go down the path of this is definitely a playoff team? I do. I see what you're saying, and I nothing you said, I... Nothing you said is wrong, or I don't disagree with anything you said. This front office looked at Annabelle Sanchez a year ago as everyone laughed at them and said, oh, God, they're just going through the bargain bin. like the, It's the used DVD bin, just like Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan going to Walmart and going to the $3 DVD bin where like Drop Dead Fred is the best movie on the pile and going to try and make it a blockbuster, right? These guys went to the $3 used DVD bin and said, that's a gem right there. They pointed at it and said, that is a blockbuster right there. Even though it's been, Anibal Sanchez was terrible for three or four years. They saw something, brought him into spring training. People laughed, called it the same old twins philosophy. And for whatever reason, they didn't pull the trigger on actually keeping him on the 25-man roster. Uh, he hits waivers. He goes to Atlanta. And he was one of the better starting pitchers in the National League last year. Yeah. So... I'm trusting that these guys know what they're looking at. They they knew what they were looking at with Ryan Presley. They knew what they were looking at with Taylor Rogers, and now they're doing it with Michael Pineda with this Martin Perez too. And I'm I'm saying, all right, I'm buying in to the I, I've been buying in, but I'm buying in even more to their pitching philosophies and and just their acumen and a, ability to look at players like that and say that's no, not a scrap heap guy. We'll make this tweak and that tweak, and he's going to be an actual viable. Picture for us. Derek, Manny, and I just recorded five thoughts not long before we started this show here. It should be up at scorenorth.com. If not, it will be soon. Just search Score North Twins to find that and all 
our Twins programming, wherever you download podcasts, get the app, and we're available now on Spotify. Plugs out of the way. But one of the things I said, we were doing five most important players to the 2019 season, and my fifth guy, I I saved him because he was my sleeper, is Martin Perez. And I said, I'm not saying that he will be good enough to to power to be one of the guys who powers this team to to a postseason push but i'm saying that if they're going to do that he probably needs to be and i'm about 50-50 on whether or not i'm buying what martin perez what they're selling on martin perez coming into spring training that they've tapped into something that they've unlocked something in him i'm 50-50 on martin perez in particular but i'm a big believer in what i've heard coming out of twins camp in terms of how they're approaching pitchers and getting the most out of pitchers and tapping into things, unlocking things that other teams haven't or that maybe the Twins haven't up until this point. I feel like they have a good chain of command when it comes to that and a good process of getting that information to the pitchers and doing it in an effective way to where they can actually make it useful and turn it into results on a baseball field. I'm just slowing my roll. <laughs> I, I hope you guys are right. It'll be way more fun. But it's just, I just, there's still there's still enough questions. No, because I'm not is. predicting doom and gloom. No, no, that's not fair. I'm not predicting doom and gloom. I like what these guys are doing. You kind of want that. You, did you, you no, 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 no. You know what? We've got enough. Okay. No, no, we've got enough. Pa- we've got enough problems and panic, and I'm tired of bad teams. I just... I look at key components, and I say this franchise is definitely headed in a positive direction, Mm -hmm. and I like it. I'm just not quite sold on declaring this a playoff team, even in a weak division, until I see this rotation and bullpen, because I do think that the lineup's going to be very good. I really do. I I think when you look at this 1-9, to you've got enough there, and you've got veteran guys there, and you certainly got pop there. But I need to see at least two months, if not a little bit more, of solid pitching to go with what Barrios is going to do. And it doesn't have to be great, but solid pitching to convince myself that this team can take the step to being a serious playoff team. Rami, one of the dynamics of this show, mm-hmm. so Judd and I have been doing a show together for about five and a half years now. Yeah. And one of there's there's like five or six main themes of our show just based on our personalities. And one of them is when I see a hot tub, I'll just jump in. And when Judd sees a hot tub, he's ah, I don't want drowned. I want to watch a couple other people go in first. I might dip my toe in. Like Judd, see, I'm a germaphobe, so that's why I wouldn't get in the hot tub. I don't know what your problem is, Judd. But Judd is more. I'm. I need to see more here yeah. before I buy in. And I'm like, I'm good. I've seen enough. I'm just gonna looks warm. I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna jump I'm in. Getting yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you fall on that scale here? I'm a germaphobe, so the whole hot tub well, analogy like, doesn't work for me. But if you're, <laughs> right, what if it's okay? It's food. It's a new food item. All right. A hot tub I'm, is I'm just, just bacteria soup. That's all a hot tub is. <laughs> You're worse than I. You're way worse than I am. I thought I was bad. I'm nothing compared to to this guy. I mean, have you heard how many people have died from hot tub germs, Judd? It is a long That's, list yeah, well, of people. Yeah. Yeah. The you courtyard in my apartment building has a hot tub, and I'm I'm, Won't call. I'm yet to decide if I'll get. I mean, we haven't had hot tub weather yet, but I'm yet to decide if I'm actually. What do you gonna, mean we haven't had hot tub weather? We yet? haven't had hot tub weather since I moved here. Hot tub weather is any time of year. Well, it's you not can get into a hot tub weather is whenever you want to hop in that hot tub. Yeah. There's a lot of people in Minnesota that have outdoor hot tubs in the winter, and you go out when it's 20 degrees or zero, and you just jump in the hot tub. Well, ours isn't open in the winter, I guess. I didn't okay. know that was a thing, but I guess they just. Oh yeah, ours great. isn't open in the winter. Yeah. In fact, if if, if you want to call in and talk to us about your favorite. <laughs> Why not? 651-646-8255. No, but I've, I've, said, I've said before, I'm usually 
your analogy doesn't work for me, but I'm I'm a okay, Jets food. I'm it's a, a new, it's a new optim- food item. Give it to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm hungry. Give it to me. What are we eating? What are we talking? <laughs> Speaking of which, the first Robbie's recipe is going to be up on Monday. I uh, sampled it today for the first time. The, I saw a picture. It looked the, outstanding. The barbecue beef bowl. Did you did you uh, so you finished and then you tried it? Yes, finished, tried it, and it's literally one of the best things I've ever tasted. Wow. Yeah. It's my first time making it. So Rami is going to make ballpark foods yes. at his apartment and, and try to recreate that. At, at Target Field Food Day last, or that was earlier this week, wasn't it? It's been a haze since I went to that thing. Um, you, you, you blacked out a couple times yesterday <laughs> from it. So. <laughs> Do we get to try these? Uh, sure, I could bring some in for you. Um, I think that's a, a important step here. but Necessary step, don't you, Phil? I, agree, I totally agree. Yes. Soul Bowl, which is one of the vendors that will be at Target Field yeah. this year. They had a barbecue beef bowl that had collard greens and mac and cheese in it. And I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of recreating it. I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm excited. So is this going to stay good until Monday, or do we have to find a way should to stay make good until? Should, I could put some should. in the freezer if you guys are sketchy yeah. about leftovers. I could throw some in the freezer I'm not sketchy, when I get but home. I don't want to get sick okay. either. So <laughs> a, fresh, a fresh batch might be nice made on Sunday. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, why don't you try make, sure what you're doing. Why don't you try making the Marie steak sandwich on Sunday and bring some of those in for us? It'll be great. That'll be next month's. Okay. That'll be next month's Rami's <laughs> recipe. <laughs> So, do you think I'm over the top no. when I say that I've seen I've seen enough? Okay, no, I'm because if, had you come into this season with no expectations or with low expectations, and then you watched one game and all of a sudden you were this is a playoff team, yeah. I'd be like, Phil, slow your roll, dude. You're a different guy than you were yesterday. Just stop for a second, gather yourself, and think. But we can't. You and I came into the season with expectations for this Twins team, and I think we saw some things yesterday that affirm why we had those expectations. I, I I thought this was a playoff team coming in, and I saw nothing yesterday to deter me from that. And Judd, to your point of what are we going to get from the rest of this starting rotation, they're not going to be Jose Barrios, but they're not going to have to be because they're not going to face Corey Kluber every day, and this sure. lineup is going to score runs. But that's my question. Right. My, my question is, Barrios, outstanding. Gibson, I think, good, right? It's the three guys after that. Yeah, they're all Animal Sanchez, man. And are they going to to excel, implode in between? I don't know. Doesn't it make... I just pulled this up. It's it's even worse than I remember. So the three years in Detroit for Animal before he went eventually to the Twins and then then Atlanta was the one that got the payoff. So he was... He he pitched most of those three seasons with Detroit uh, and his ERA was 567 over that stretch. Those three years? Three year wow. stretch and, and it got worse every year. Four nine nine, five eight seven, six four one were his ERAs three years in a row at age thirty one, thirty two, thirty three. And every fan, every every person who has ever watched baseball over any period of time and pitchers who are that age going that direction, you would just say, I mean it's not it's not even worth a spring roster spot. Like why would you even bring a guy like that in if he hasn't done anything in 3 years? He's getting worse and he's 34. And the fact that they saw something that we laughed at and it was why we made fun of him on the show. I don't know. Odorizzi? Did that trade? I don't I don't know. That's a good question. Cuz if that's that good a find, you think you'd be like, "Okay, the fans are are not happy about it. Who cares? You know, maybe Let when the it, guy pitch when it comes down to you know when they're standing at the edge of you know, just the twenty five man roster decision time, and you've got you've got a you want to actually pull the trigger on this? How much do you really believe in what you saw? This guy had a six forty one ERA last year, and he's been terrible for three years. And maybe they got cold feet at the last second, but they were right. 
They were right but in their then, judgment of him. Right, but then stick with it. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're also right on Michael Pineda and that they're also right on Martin Perez, and that's sort of shaping and my And not that opinion. all of those guys are going to be Anibal Sanchez, who pitched like a number one or a number two for most rotations last year. Yeah, but one's probably Kluber. If... <laughs> If you get like, I don't even know. Yeah, you pump your brakes. I'm going to tell you to pump your damn brakes, Phil. But if if you could get two or three rotation guy production out of out of one of those two guys or out of both of those guys, that makes a huge difference for this Twins team and closes the gap on what's the only advantage that the Indians have on the Twins coming into the season, which is starting pitching. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if you have thoughts on this and you're out there and you're, if you want to overreact. If you yeah, if you if you want to drink the same Kool Aid that's spiked with four different kinds of alcohol that I am, six five one six four six eight two five five. You can also hit us up in the comment section. We stream our show live on Twitch every day between four and six o'clock. Twitch.tv slash You know what's gonna Score happen? North. Playoff team. They're gonna make the playoffs. We're all gonna be incredibly excited. Then they're gonna play the Yankees. It's gonna be the Yankees again. Damn Yankees. Why not just wait a month to bring that up? Like why Because on Twitter people are already throwing that up. I told you. I told you. I threw out there two days ago what's your expectation for this team? And a lot of people are like, I think they're going to to the playoffs, and then they would tweet back and say, Mm -hmm. But of course they'll play the Yankees. Do you have a burner account on Twitter? Uh no, I don't. Because yesterday I tweeted out I don't. I should, but I don't. I tweeted out Dan Hayes' story about uh, Javi Baez and Jose Barrios and the fact that they're brothers in law. Their their wives are married to each other. That's the connection there. And uh, I said, hey, isn't this cool? Maybe we can be brother-in-law baseball clubs and I'll root for the same teams. Well, well that's a funny tweet. And uh, some, so guy, funny. some guy responded to me. <laughs> some guy responded to me and said, oh, great. Only a matter of time before he goes and signs with the Cubs. Like, yeah. you guys can't enjoy anything, can you? You, you just can't have fun you know, with that's anything. That's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. That's He's turning. They when I saw that tweet, I was like, "Is this Judge Burner?" Rami, this you're is right. Judge Burner, isn't it? You're right. They, the Twins have gone to Barrios' agent for the last two years in the winter and offered contract extensions, and he said no. And it's because Javi Baez is talking to him, and you know what? Privately, you're going to be very He's happy. Waiting for that sweet, sweet Ricketts family money. That's what he's. You're going to be for. very mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, penthouse above Wrigley Field on the <laughs> north side. Jose Barrios, man, the ultimate Cub. <laughs> He actually would be a great Cub. He would be, and I am, and I am a closet Cubs fan. So you guys are the worst. I really wouldn't mind that much. I mean, that make me happy. But as far as Twins go, you guys are the worst. Hopefully, Cubs. hopefully, it's a better trade than the Johan trade from ten years ago. That's all we can really hope that's, for. So. That's the question. What should the Twins get for Burrios when they trade him to the Cubs? Let's start taking calls. Uh, all right, who is is? Are you more in line with Judd? Measured, fun first day. Show need me. to see more. Or are you pretty much all in? <laughs> Like I am six five one six four six eight two five five, and I'm going to lump Rami in with me. I don't think he's all. Oh, I think he's definitely. Close. No, I'm there with you. Yeah, he's I'm right there close. with all right. you. All right, uh, you can hit us up. Like I said on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Score North. And Jimmy Butler had some things to say. He's coming back. We'll talk about that. Well, let's talk about Federated Burns Company for just a moment first, though. Aggressive driving, road rage. There's a lot of names for it. It all means the same thing. It's very risky behavior when you're behind the wheel of a vehicle. The road can be a dangerous, unpredictable place. So let's make sure we're focused on controlling our reactions to events while we're on the road. So, you know, if uh, if the Twins give up a home run, not worth raging about behind the wheel. Not really worth raging about uh, ever. But uh, let's do our best to avoid creating situations that might put other drivers over the edge. And then conversely, if you see aggressive driving behaviors 
of someone in another vehicle, just uh, maybe let them drive ahead so you don't run into uh, major trouble. In fact, aggressive driving behaviors are uh, are estimated that they contribute to more than half of fatal accidents on U.S. roads. So when you keep your emotions in check, you're doing your part to help everybody make it home safe today. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Purple Daily. Football has been my love and passion my entire life. Find out what's happening with the purple and talk about it. You and I are not on the same page. That's what makes this more fun. Breaking it down. Do I think that is the Vikings' long-term solution a quarterback to a problem in this town that's been a problem for a long, long time? Absolutely not. Because the Vikings are on your mind all the time, not just during the season. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that all day. I'm not surprised. Football wins. Football all. Right, Purple Daily on Score North, scorenorth.com. Hammered to left, Bowers is off the wall, a one-hopper now over his head, and Buxton holds up at second base. He has the first Twins hit of the year, a line drive double to left. Twins looking for their third hit of the inning. That'll work. A base hit left center field. Cruz around third. He'll score the ball. Rolls to the wall. Rounding third. Crone is coming in. And the Twins take a 2-0 lead. Some loud contact there. Uh, Minnesota Twins guy on Twitter chimes in. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. I'm pretty bullish on the Twins this season, but I'm waiting to give the Twins a ton of praise on Martin Perez. Let's keep in mind that he still had a 530 ERA and four starts in this amazing quote-unquote spring he had. Velocity is impressive, but still... So a brake pumper in Minnesota Twins guy on Twitter. I don't put a whole lot of stock in spring training ERA, do you? I mean, a lot no. of those runs are scored when they're just working on a pitch. They don't really care what the result is when it gets to the plate. They're just trying to get that pitch down. It's also an amazingly easy excuse to use as a pitcher to right. just say after you got hammered for eight runs, well, I was just working like, on working stuff. On my, Been working on everything. Working, working on, on my stuff. knuckleball. Right. Working on my EFIS pitch. I was working on my underhand pitch. Ephus pitch. <laughs> Old school Ephus pitch. Um, okay, can you... Jake is on line one, and he wants to, uh, to provide some thoughts on Matthew Collar's Miguel Sano rant. Oh, yeah. Can you summarize that for people who, who didn't listen to Score North Live today? Uh, Miguel Sano is not an important part of the Twins because he is, in Collar's opinion, bad at baseball. And so we should quit being infatuated or concerned about what he can do because the Twins would be better off if he was not here because in Collar's estimation, he's just not that good. Jake, what's going on? Hello. Not a lot. I just uh, couldn't believe what I was hearing when I heard that he was not in that baseball. Um, (laughs) I wanted to get you and especially Rami's take on that just because I know you guys have said He's a big piece of the puzzle, and I agree with that. I do not think he's made a baseball. I think he even compared him to Andrew Wiggins. I just wanted That's to correct. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Jake. Uh, well, here's the thing. Bad at bad, like Andrew Wiggins being bad at basketball is probably more true when you factor in he can't shoot, he can't dribble, and he doesn't really have. So I think I think Andrew Wiggins is more bad at basketball than Miguel. Miguel Sano has a laser for an arm. He's he's got some tools. He does right? some of the things well that you need to do to be a good baseball player. Yes, which you can say about Andrew Wiggins. Correct. Right. Uh, Miguel Sano has some of the most. He, he in terms of like what are his skill sets? Right. He's got top power, and he's got a laser for an arm. Defensively, mm-hmm. the problem is he's not going to be a third baseman. He's not going to be able to use the laser of an arm. He'll be a first baseman or a DH within. Maybe even within six months, but right within this year it could be. Yep, right. But 
even if he stays at third base for a while, that that arm strength isn't going to really matter for a long time. So uh, I'm going to pull this up here just to make sure I'm 100% right. But Miguel Sano, I think, has the highest strikeout rate of any non-pitcher. So pitchers who hit, let's take them off the board. He's got the highest strikeout rate of any hitter in baseball history. History? Let me find Ever? it real quick here. It is ridiculous. So fan, fan graphs... Uh, has a full list of this, so you can pull up career leaders. So Miguel Sano, in his career, has struck out in 36% of plate appearances. So more than one in three trips to the plate, he strikes out. More than Joey Gallo? He's striking out more than Joey Gallo. Let me find it. That can't be possible. Maybe Joey Gallo just hasn't accrued enough at-bats. So career strikeout percentage leaders of guys who've qualified. So this is all time going back to the Babe Ruths of the world who struck out a lot, but not nearly as much as modern day sure, hitters. Okay, yeah. so Miguel Sano is thirty six percent. Joey Gallo is now thirty eight percent. He hit, he's the only player who's passed Miguel Sano on all this right. list. So Joey Gallo is thirty eight percent. Miguel Sano is thirty six percent, and then it's a bunch of pitchers. You've got Matt Davidson. There's some modern players on here. Mike Zanino, uh, Kelly Shopik. Remember him, catcher, backup oh, yeah. catcher. How could I forget? Chris Carter's on this list. So. If Chris if, Carter, yeah, Chris Carter is and not Co- very good. Collar's comparison, his comp for Sano was Chris Carter. So you're already on a terrible list, right? <laughs> what else do you do to to overcome the fact that you're giving away an out? You're you come to the plate 600 times in a season if you're lucky, and you're striking out in 225 I, of those plate appearances. I, what else do you do? I don't really care about strikeouts, which is one of the things. In in my baseball life, that that has that has changed over the last five years. We've realized that the strikeout isn't the worst thing in the world, like we thought it was before. But you need to be able to put bat to ball in certain situations. In most situations, a strikeout is the same as any other out. But if you come to the plate with men on second, man on third, and two outs, and you need to make contact and put that ball in play, that tells me when Miguel Sano's strikeout percentage is that high, he can't even do that. You know what I mean? I don't care if you strike out in any other situation, but the fact that he's prolifically stri- striking out at a rate that nobody has ever done except for Joey Gallo tells me that this isn't just a guy who strikes out a lot because he knows he can. That tells me that that's a guy who strikes out a lot because he can't help it. Where I disagreed with uh, Collar, and of course he, he was on a roll by this point, so it was too late to get out of the way to try and stop him. <laughs> but where I disagreed with him was I said, Matthew, you didn't see him when he came up originally and was in a semblance of shape and at the plate struck out a lot, but at that time had an approach. And Collar's response was, well, that was what, 2015? That's a long time ago. And he's right. But where I disagree that he's a bad baseball player is. I think you can, and this is the most important thing to me about his presence in the clubhouse, I think you can make a case that he doesn't take it seriously, that he's not professional. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the difference with Byron Buxton. Seeing Buxton fail has been very difficult because I think he cares deeply, and I think he's just failed. And and you, But you watch that and you never say to yourself, Byron Buxton doesn't care. My problem with, with Sano and where I guess Collar and I aren't on the same page is I don't think Miguel Sano has given himself in the last three years or so a chance to be a bad baseball player because he's never trying to apply himself at close to what he could be. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so this goes to, to the heart of a very important thing though, which is, is he really going to change? Because I, I think we all can agree that if it's not hugely important, 
it is important that you have a clubhouse that has chemistry. And part of chemistry is seeing your your potential star players take things seriously. And so if Miguel Sano is now going to to come in and apply himself and fail, then that's just too bad. But honestly, in the last three years, I don't think he's ever given himself the chance because I don't think he's taking his craft seriously yeah. at all. I mean, well, think about it this way. Let's compare a Miguel Sano. So I, I'm, I'm with Rami in that strikeouts don't matter as much as we thought for a long time, but there is a breaking point, and he's right. way past that breaking point. Right. So when Mike Trout strikes out about 20 or 25% of his plate appearances, which is like a fairly high number historically. It's just guys strike out more now, and so he's on the lower end of the current curve. But if you frame it up this way, if Miguel Sano comes to the plate, who, give me another, uh, like Nolan Arenado. Give me another corner guy. Let's let's compare uh, third baseman, okay? So Nolan Arenado versus Miguel Sano. Well, for one, Nolan Arenado is a wizard defensively. And and he's about 30 to 40 pounds lighter, maybe even 50 pounds lighter than an in-shape Miguel Sano. And so positional value, checkbox, Nolan Arenado, because he's, he's going to play third base for a long time, okay? Nolan Arenado only strikes out in 15% of his plate appearances. So... When Arenado comes to the plate a hundred times and Sano comes to the plate a hundred times, Miguel Sano is starting that comparison by giving away 20 of those plate appearances to strikeouts. And now you're left with, okay, what else are they filling it in with? Well, they both fill it in with power, right? But one guy also fills it in with walks, doubles, singles, a triple once in a while. And that's where you know Sano's offense is very much... Feast or famine. Yeah, he's if he played a full season, which is another thing that he hasn't been able to do, he'll probably hit 35 or 40 home runs, but he's never going to have a huge OBP with that many strikeouts. He's never going to have, you know, 45 doubles in a season with that many strikeouts, and he's not going to stick at third base. So I'm not all in like Collar was in terms of, I don't think he's Andrew Wiggins bad at his sport. Wiggins can't dribble. He can't shoot. He's has a low basketball IQ. Sano has prolific power, but if he strikes out that much, historic levels of strikeouts, he's not worth having around long term for the money that you'd probably have to pay him in an open market because someone's going to give him fifteen or twenty million dollars a year. And at this rate, there's no there's no way I would touch that if I was the twin. You still think somebody's going to give him fifteen or twenty million? Well, not a year? this version of him, but if he, you know, let's say he goes on and hits thirty five home runs and still strikes out two hundred twenty times, right. You can find that guy. You can find you can find guys like that. The Twins found Josh Willingham. You want a 240 hitter statue who who strikes out 200 times and hits a bunch of bombs and doesn't have a defensive position. You can find that guy for $8 million in the sure. free agent market. I mean, they sure. found Nelson Cruz for $14 million. But does Sano care enough to be that, that guy? So so if Sano even gets back to a semblance of what he appeared that he could be, does he does he care enough to be that guy again? The guy we saw last year had no clue and I don't think gave a damn. Like I think it was like I struck out again, too yeah. bad, and and so so in that sense, Collar is right, but that's the Twins' hope, and rightfully so, is that that served as a wake up call to say, all right, I'm not fantastic, but I've got some skills here, and I certainly mm-hmm. have talent, and I think he does have talent. Does he he want to unlock that talent? Because if he doesn't care and he wants to just eat and eat and eat, guess what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But you're done then, and you're going to leave millions of dollars to Phil's point on the table. Right. This is a, maybe a hot take, but right now, today, and if in this, I would say this: if Snow is healthy, Williams Astadio is a more valuable player right now than Miguel Snow. Let's take 2015 off the board. 
because 2015 is four years ago now, and and Sano has not shown that he's the same player he was in 2015. I'll take the guy that puts a ball in play every single time and can also play like four different positions over Miguel Sano right now. Now, Sano has upside to be more than he was the last two or three years. Uh, but if if I get a guy who can play some third, who can catch, who can play some first, you can put him in an outfield spot, and you can put him at second base, and he puts the ball in play so something positive can happen on a regular basis, I'll take that right now over Sano. But this is definitely, obviously a lot of people like Collar have jumped ship when it comes to Miguel Sano and yeah. have given up hope that he'll ever be that guy that people thought he might be when he first got here. But those who are still holding out hope for Miguel Sano, even the most optimistic of them, this is a make or break year, right? It's put up or shut up time for Miguel Sano. Yes. And even those who are still in his camp yes. believe that and are ready to give up on him if they don't see something special from him this year. And it would be a really bad time to trade him. or There's, there's really no reason. What for him? Yeah. So, you know, if, if there is something to be salvaged yeah. and somebody else salvages it, now maybe... You know, maybe he has to go somewhere else to salvage it. And then again, there's a chance he comes back in three weeks and he becomes a really good, solid, designated hitter slash first baseman for the Twins, and they ride him out through the end of his contract, and then somebody else. And that's what I'm curious you know, about. Picks him up in two years. Or when something. do they move him to first base? Because they're, well, they're, they're going. They they're want, they have want to Alex Kirloff to play first. This is where it gets interesting too. They want Alex Kirloff to be their first baseman. So Kepler in right field, Kirloff at first base. That's how the, so Kirloff's no going to play long term then. But that, Cruz is going out. But Cruz he, is thirty-eight. But if so. he is, you're not you're not signing a DA a twenty-six-year-old DA Miguel to a long-term contract. S- Miguel Sano has already forfeited millions. I think he's al- already lost. And now th- that doesn't mean that he can't get a contract. And I think if he shows the ability to hit for power th- that he has, he will get paid. Mm-hmm. But I think the Miguel Sano that in that we initially saw and we said, okay, that guy is a long-term contract. Lock him up. He's going to be fantastic. I think that potential right now is gone. Don't you? Uh, yes. Like, I don't think anyone's going to give him yeah. what, what you thought initially when he came up the first time. Yeah. If if it's a third baseman and it's a guy who was much more disciplined and drew walks, even though he struck out a lot in 2015. But he too, had an he, approach. He, just, he, he drew a lot yes. of walks and he got on base yep. and he played third base. Remember, he was a shortstop like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. He was drafted. Well, not drafted. He was signed out of the Dominican Republic as a shortstop. I don't know how that happened, but how I do, do you, remember. How do you devolve <laughs> from shortstop to designated hitter by the age of 25? It's, am- it's amazing. It's called, drive- it's called drive-thrus. <laughs> 2 a.m. drive-thrus. God. That's like literally like going from wide receiver to left guard in terms of like your position. Yeah. In that's called. Seven years. I'll have the number four. Tack on the number six. Three cheeseritos and a, a large Coke. Yeah, cheeserito. Never tried that one before. Oh, the cheeseritos are fantastic. Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, write that down. Predictions and an accountability session in about twenty minutes from now. Jimmy Butler said some things, and he's coming back this weekend. Is it a big deal anymore? Is it even, even is it even a big deal that Jimmy Butler is coming back to Minnesota with the 76ers this weekend? Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the All New Scorner. I think that just is something that we don't know what was said, you know, behind, you know, I don't know what the front office told Jimmy. I don't know what Jimmy told the front office. You know, I just think that both parties came to a conclusion at the end of the day. He wanted to be traded as he wanted to, as he got and wanted to uh, wish it could have happened quicker. You know, we would have more time to get our team ready. We would have more time to get our, our, our culture ready, you know, uh, our season ready, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like I said, I'm just happy that Jimmy's happy. I'm happy that our front office and the trade and everything is happy. Uh, both parties win. 
That's Carl Anthony Towns with Adrian Wojnarowski. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North and Jimmy Butler and the Sixers return to Minnesota this weekend to take on the Timberwolves. Why is Carl Anthony Towns still trying to play dice with Jimmy Butler? Are, should we be way past that, that Carl Anthony Towns is playing dice with Jimmy Butler? Let's play another one here. Okay. Carl Anthony Towns All talking right. about the return of Jimmy Butler this week, and we'll get you some, some Jimmy quotes here shortly. How do you think that Jimmy's criticisms of you, both public, maybe private within the team, impacted the public's perception of you? It probably did, the way people looked at me or whatever. Uh, I've never cared for what people say, but, uh, you know, facts, you know, things are what they are. You know, the way public sees me, obviously, you know, fans have their way of thinking. And, uh, you know, a person like you is so highly regarded by fans, you know, your voice holds weight. So, uh, you know, obviously people are going to think the way they think and the way they, they want to uh read between the lines they want to but uh, facts are facts uh, I know what the facts are my teammates know what the facts are we all know what the facts are um, you know we just let fans be fans let them think and uh, have their imaginations the way they want it okay I don't disagree with what he said that he shouldn't care what Jimmy Butler or really what anybody else thinks of him so fine but again way too nice an answer there should have been a bleep him in there somewhere do you buy that though I don't care what he thinks bleep him that should have been his response that was with uh, Adrian Wojnarowski by yeah him. Because I need to see, I don't know about you guys, I need to see a nasty streak in Carl Anthony Towns towards somebody well, other than a referee. I, I think the most important question is, do you buy what he said? What he said about not caring about what people think is is well and good and, and is probably the exact right thing to say. Are you buying it? Well, I'm, I'm not. Okay, three things. I'm not buying it. I don't care. I think he's, I, I, don't, I don't think he needs to fillet Jimmy Butler publicly. And his mean streak is 35 points and 20 rebounds, which has happened a couple times, I think, hasn't it? He's had a couple 30-20 games. Mm-hmm. To me, his mean streak is less about personality because he's kind of a fun, he's a fun-loving guy. He's a cat. That's fine. His mean streak to me is go score 28 points on 15 shots, grab every rebound, okay. dish out a bunch of assists, right. and, and go stick it to teams on the court. I'd be good with that, too, but that's not what he did when he saw Jimmy Butler for the first time, since Jimmy Butler MF'd him up and down to practice with the third stringers while he took him to school and talked trash about him, apparently, behind the scenes. And since he left, remember the interview with Chris Haynes a few months ago where he was like, yeah, man, I'm cool with uh, with Andrew Wiggins, and I love D. Rose. And then somebody asked him about Carl Anthony Towns, and he was like, yeah, I'm cool with Andrew Wiggins, and I love D. Rose. So he's even sort of publicly poked at Carl Anthony Towns. And Joel Embiid takes so much pleasure, and he does it with a lot of guys, but seems to take so much pleasure with coming in, getting the better of Carl Anthony Towns, and then trolling him on social media on the way out. So Carl Anthony Towns, he gets he get the perception is that he gets punked by these two guys, that they bully him. And actually John Calipari said that Jimmy Butler bullied Carl Anthony Towns in his time here in Minnesota. So okay, if you're if you're not the guy who's going to come out and and say bleep him, I don't care what he thinks of me, and you're going to play nice publicly, either do something in the game that says you're not going to punk me, or do what you said and throw up 35 points and 15 rebounds. He did none of that. So they went to Philly and got embarrassed, and we we stopped our watch along party at halftime because the Sixers threw in 83 points, and we were like, okay, that's enough of that. That's true. That did happen. So he got punked in every way. So he's a different player now, and over the past 30 days, 
than he was at the beginning of the year, than he was when they played the 76ers. And that's to be expected when you have a 23-year-old superstar. He's evolving. He's growing. You're putting him now with a coach that empowers him instead of belittles him. You're putting him in a situation where his teammates sort of gravitate toward him and look to get him involved rather than Jimmy Butler. who It's like Jimmy Butler... Jimmy Butler really had no desire to get Cat going in games. Cat was just sort of a bystander, and if Cat could get it, was, it was always sort of oil and water. And I and I thought when they traded for Jimmy Butler, this is going to be great. They're going to play off each other perfectly, and they never they could never coexist. So, just to ask you a question, Rami, here in the last thirty days, Carl Anthony Towns is averaging thirty one points, fifteen rebounds, four assists, a block. He's shooting forty eight percent from three point range. He's a three-point range. Okay? He's a beast. But it's and, and so to me, he's evolved. He's dominating. They've got to get him some help. They've got to get him some structure. And I've seen enough of Carl Anthony Towns and his evolution this year to say, yep, that guy has arrived. He's done what he needs to do, regardless of what happens against the 76ers this week. And it sounds like you're saying, that's all great. The last month is all great. But if you get punked again by the Sixers, especially at home, it kind of throws a lot of it away? Not that it throws a lot of it away. The guy has taken a huge step this year. And I'm a huge Carl Anthony Towns fan and believer. I think he can be an MVP in this league and one of the top five, if not top three players in all the NBA when he reaches his full potential. I just need to see that he can't get bullied anymore. Because if you can get bullied, there are guys in this league who will bully you, who will see that weakness, who will see that opening, will bully you, take your lunch, and that has a tangible impact and effect on the game at some point. Am I crazy? No, I think Am this I is, overstating this? No, I think this is very simple. I think there's times there's times to show people that that you are a tremendous talent by scoring a ton of points and grabbing boards. And then there's times to say this crap start, stops now. Right. Uh tomorrow night, if I'm cat, first thing I do is I is is when if Embiid or Butler drive and I'm standing there, they're going down. And I and if There's I have a forearm coming, yes, oh, you guys are yes. both laying on the physical violence. Be, he not, needs, to, he needs I, to pull out a shiv I, and stab somebody. The, I'm not even going the, there. The, the great cat box score for tomorrow night when I will be in attendance and would love to see him go off and have a huge game would be two points. Five minutes and a quick ejection. I am no. There are there are certain there are certain because there are certain times there are certain times in life where you have to make a statement. And the Embiid Butler performance in Philadelphia against Cat was embarrassing. Not as much to the Wolves as to Cat. This is where you draw the line in the sand and say, gentlemen, on my team. I'm going to make a statement here because our future is tied to me and I have to show you that there are certain things I will not accept and I'm not going to accept Embiid and Butler punking me anymore. That stops now. So I'm with Rami 1000% on this one. I think tomorrow night Cat needs to make a statement about this crap stops now and these guys are bullies and they're going to continue to bully me, which by the way sends a message to the rest of this league. And if you want to be a successful team ultimately and you and you want to win playoff series, things are going to get ugly at times. And this is a time, this is a perfect time. Your team's basically done, or it is done. This is a time that you can make a statement of saying the next step in my progression is to show that I'm not only going to lead this team by being an outstanding player, but I'm also going to bring an end to this crap with a couple of bullies who think that they can push me around. But it's not even really a fair fight. Like, well, not literal fight, which is what you guys are advocating for. I'd go hockey. Weekend, but... I'd go hockey here. <laughs> I'd go Bruins North Stars, and I would say you're going to see me do something tonight that I don't want to have. 
have to do, but I'll do it. The 76ers are are in the three seed spot in the Eastern Conference, which is probably where they're going to be locked in. But they're but they're trying to make sure they get the three seed in the Eastern Conference. They're a few games ahead of Indiana. They probably can't catch the Raptors. They're like four games behind the Raptors. But they're they've got things to play for, and they're bringing they're bringing. A brand new Ferrari into Target Center, and you're oh, sitting. I'm not saying I expect the Wolves to win a game, but like you're driving a '92 Plymouth oh, yeah. Claim here, my, and Carl Anthony Towns. But this is, is my point. This is why. This is why I don't care if I play a great game or or we win the game or if I'm cat if I'm on the floor for a good part of the game because all I can do here is set a tempo message of what this of what I'm about. See, I don't know that I necessarily want him to get ejected for punching somebody in the face after five minutes. I'm saying incredibly hard foul. It w- <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't but even have to punch him. I'm not going to lie. It would be an encouraging sign to me. If And again, forget the outcome of the game. I don't care if the Wolves win this game. Uh, but I'd like to see if they tried to punk Carl Anthony Towns. I'd like to see some emotion out of the guy. and Maybe he has to be separated from Joel Embiid or, or Jimmy Butler. And then just... just do what you've been doing because the first time that these two teams uh, met each other, Carl Anthony Towns had 13 points in 28 minutes. So he didn't even do the things that you're talking about in a basketball sense of I'm going to punk you, I'm going to bully you with my play, and I don't need to be that mean, nasty guy or the guy who throws a hard elbow and yeah. gets ejected from a game. He didn't even do that. So first and foremost, let me see Carl Anthony Towns come out and win the individual matchup with Joel Embiid for once to start. And it would be an encouraging sign if on top of that, we saw some emotion out of him and him stand up to these two bullies and maybe even have to be separated. And I don't, okay, so I don't mean to minimize, like if he, if he goes 0 for 11 and curls up in the fetal position, okay, I'm not, I'm not here to say that doesn't matter or it's not relevant to the bigger picture discussion. But Steph Curry doesn't need to, Steph Curry's not knocking guys around and, you know, he's, He's throwing haymakers by hitting 30-foot three-pointers with a hand in his face. That's the type of player, although he's seven feet tall. and st- you know, he, Physically, Carl Anthony Towns would have more grounds to get physical because he's imposing and yeah. he's bigger than most people. Yes. But if there is one thing that I'd want to see, it would just be, regardless of what your teammates do, just go put up 30 and 15 and four assists and at least be the force that... Right. Keeps this game from being be embarrassing. Great. Like if he that, can do I, that, that'd be great. But I don't need to see that to validate his season. That's where I stand. No, the season doesn't hinge on this one. Game. I don't. He's taken huge leaps in his game. This I year. don't need to see that. But this this is a definite chance after what's been a very trying year, in part because of what Butler did, where you could definitely send a message about what what you're about and what your team is going to be about. I think, and Jimmy Butler's a bully. It's what he is. Right now, the Timberwolves are he about loves, like G League point guards. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm saying. The game doesn't matter. Rami's right. But Jimmy Butler is a bully, and he and he helped. He played a major role in ruining your year. And Embiid, for whatever reason, I don't know exactly why, seems to love trying to uh, push Cat around, both psychologically and on the floor. So this just this to me sets up for a chance to Cat. For a rare instance, for a basketball player to make a important statement, and and the Sixers are probably going to beat you, but at least if you come away, the last thing that you want to see tomorrow night is another damn Embiid Instagram thing about Cat, right? That I think that probably bothers Cat, the Embiid punkings and the Instagram stuff. I think you're probably right about that because it's it's more of a positional peer, correct? And if you're Carl Anthony Towns, you know that Jimmy Butler's almost out of his prime, and he's just. <laughs> 
But you're going to be measured step-by-step step the next 10 years with Joel Embiid, not Jimmy Butler. And so if I were Carl Anthony Towns, I'd be much more upset, A, about getting my lunch taken away from me by Embiid and the fact that he goes on Instagram and makes snide comments about me. He basically mocks him up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be like if if Instagram existed in the late 90s and like Tim Duncan was like punking Kevin Garnett or something on Instagram, <laughs> Did right? Did you see Tim Duncan on Instagram? <laughs> like super I got selfies. the best of you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Straight-faced selfie. Take that, KG. Want to go out to dinner next time? Man, this, this game would have been so much more fun if the Wolves were within a couple games of the eight seed and they had care? to have it. Do Wolves fans care at this point? I, so I am so I, tired. I, I don't, personally. I don't. Like, I'm curious. Yeah. But but the emotion that I would have felt about this game in, let's say, December is mm-hmm. totally gone. The Butler saga now seems to me to be like three years ago. Yeah, it's and a it's, footnote now. And it's just so... play. It's been... The Wolves season has felt like it's never ending. Yeah, it does feel... It, it feels... It doesn't feel as recent as, oh, just a... F- what three months ago or four months ago or whatever November twelfth yeah and it's this bl- this will go down as just a blip on the franchise's you know, resume and radar because there's been so many things in franchise history that have been bad and dysfunctional and I don't know I'm just kind of over it I guess if like I said if if the Timberwolves were were a game and a half out of the eight seed in the Western Conference and they're grinding and Covington's been playing the whole time and so you've got former Sixers in play for storylines and. Uh, and the Timberwolves have to have this home game against a really good team to maybe get to the playoffs. All right, let's raise the stakes. But this is just this is a team that waved the white flag with that press release last week. Said, "Yep, Jeff Teague, Derrick Rose, and Robert Covington are going to sit out, and it's pretty much Carl Anthony Towns and a bunch of second round picks." Yeah, this is so. the last game, and again, the outcome of the game doesn't mean anything. So, but this is the last game that has any meaning to me whatsoever, and it's can Carl Anthony Towns stand up to the bullies. That's the only significance that's left in this one last game that has any significance. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he gets ejected with like just a casual flagrant too. You know, just like a you know a little casual oh, you might forearm well, to the you floor. Might thinking well. like go, a hard elbow. Out, yeah, or, go out okay. big time. All right, go out big time. Don't make it casual. <laughs> Let it know that this was a message. Let it be known yes. this was a message. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. I if, if I was cat. Guess what? I would I would throw an elbow on Embiid where he wouldn't be thinking about going on on his phone to go to Instagram post game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North, and it's our uh, favorite segment of the week here. When we come back, write that down and an accountability session on the other side.